0: Violet's Five Questions, a deep dive into deep conversations. Violet is designing a future where the last stage of life is recognised and planned for, and more honest and open conversations are possible. We're working to close the gap between what people hope for and what happens. Violet's Five Questions were created in collaboration with Dr. Catherine Mannix, palliative care physician and author of Listen How to Find the Words for Tender Conversations. I'm your host, Annie Fox, Head of Brand and Community at Violet, and I have the privilege of asking our guests these five questions. We hope this podcast will inspire your own self-reflection practice and give you new insights and tools for approaching complex conversations in your professional life and beyond. In this episode, I have the pleasure of chatting to Imogen Mitchell, Intensive Care Specialist at the Canberra Hospital, Executive Director for Research and Academic Partnerships at Canberra Health Services, and Imogen's also a professor at ANU. Hello, Imogen, and welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Annie. Before we get stuck in, I don't know if it's a a misconception or one of the assumptions that I have, I guess, about somebody in your role as an intensive care specialist is that you must be, if not very comfortable with complex conversations, certainly very, very practiced in them. Is that a correct assumption or perhaps a bit of a misnomer?
1: No, you're probably right. Not least I've been practicing in intensive care for a long time. We won't specify how long. (laughs)
0: Okay. So maybe let's start by just giving us a little bit of an overview of what conversation we're going to unravel together today.
1: So it probably was a little time ago. It stuck in my mind as a very poor way of conducting a conversation. And to this day, I remain disappointed of how badly it went. So the scenario is a patient was declared, may not be entirely declared, but it was going to be soon to be brain dead. And I spoke to the family before on that evening, and we got to the point where organ donation was raised. And I guess I had prided myself up until that point that, of the 15 organ donation conversations I had had, all 15 families had agreed to donate their loved ones' organs. And not all, all of them were easy conversations, but in that sense, I thought, yeah, I'm reasonably confident in organ donation conversations. And the family meeting went well, and there seemed to be agreement that, uh, no, that's exactly what the patient would have wanted. And so, you know, the next steps was that the following morning, we would do all the confirmatory tests and then talk to the family again about organ donation. I then went into the family meeting the following day, and it probably didn't go as well as I would have wished for.
0: Tell us what you were bringing into that conversation, or another way to think about it is... What unnamed ingredients did you bring with you?
1: So in some respects, I did bring in unnamed ingredients, but I didn't actually use the ingredients on the day that I should have done. My usual practice of conversations is, in fact, to go back to the family and ask them what they think has been happening. I often say, you know, you help me understand the journey. We can start before they came to hospital, at this point now. And then I'll fill in the gaps and then we'll make a plan from this moment forward. And that's what I usually do. Before that, I get everyone to introduce themselves and is there anyone here that should be here? So we make it very clear that we're talking to all the appropriate people. And so the bit about getting the family to describe the situation didn't happen because I felt I'd done it the night before and made this terrible assumption that everyone was still on the same page and of course as soon as you assume you make an ass of you and me and so uh, this is exactly what then transpired so I didn't get them to tell the journey didn't get the sense of how they were thinking and so I just jumped straight into the organ donation expecting that I had total agreement and unfortunately they'd obviously had a conversation overnight and resolutely did not feel that organ donation was appropriate. And so I then had to do a lot of backpedaling to then go through the whole journey again. But by that stage I had lost their confidence and we didn't seem to have a relationship at that point yeah. either.
0: So now think back a little bit to to the beginning of that conversation or to coming into that conversation and what in your opinion mattered most and then maybe how that changed or evolved as the conversation evolved
1: you know I had an objective of that conversation and the objective was that we would get full agreement from the whole family that they would agree to organ donation of their loved one and it became very quickly obvious that my objective was not going to eventuate and so that became quite a challenge
0: Did you set an agenda? Did you have in your mind a set of talking points that were going to get you to that objective as you entered that conversation?
1: Well, again, I think this goes back to the fact that because I'd had the conversation the night before, which is incredibly well structured, which had all the dot points that I would have wished for and had moved into a direction where I thought this was appropriate. I think I failed at every point of having that dot pointed list of things that I would want to talk about because I made this terrible assumption that I had already done all that and I was just literally going in for the final conversation that would just be signing on the dotted line, which clearly was a major error and that really what I should have done was just go over what I'd done the day before. Really, I should have started all over again. I shouldn't have made any assumption.
0: And what was the role of silence in that conversation?
1: I am a strong believer of silence because you are talking about things that are so numbing that to proceed having that conversation when people are just racing through all sorts of things that they're thinking. And so I think you know that moment, that pause, and in fact, particularly in organ donation, which would have happened the day before, Once you say to the family that the patient is brain dead, that pause, it becomes incredibly important. And I had a terrible situation once where a social worker said, so now what, Dr. Mitchell, what are you going to do? I'm thinking, no, this is a pause moment. Mm. And I do recall another problem with the conversation I was having with the family is that someone had a pager and went out to answer it, which again is, please don't ever move out of the room. Don't answer phones, don't answer pages. And that again was another distraction.
0: And you've touched on this a little bit, but if you could go back and do it again, what would you do differently?
1: What I would do differently is I would have not made any assumptions and just go through the whole, my own framework of having those conversations. That is that we make sure we know who's in the room. I get the patient's family to describe the story. I fill in the gaps. And then we start to move forward as to, well, to describe that what we're doing is probably not helping and read the room as to whether they're receiving that in an acceptable way or that I have to come back for another conversation.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that with us in particular a conversation that you wish you had done better I think that's really generous and honest of you to share that with us so thank you so much. Thank you Annie. Violet's five questions can also help you create your own reflective practice around complex or high stakes conversations. And if those conversations are related to the last stage of life, you can chat to a Violet guide to get the guidance you may need. Jump onto violet.org.au or dial 1-800-VIOLET to find out more.